Hello, and welcome to the Market Bull Podcast. Please note, topics and stocks discussed in this podcast are not financial or investment advice. Today on the show, I spoke with David Tatata, the Managing Director of Strategic Energy Resources, which is listed on the ASX under code SER. Strategic Energy Resources is a specialised undercover mineral explorer and project generator focused on discovery in the greenfield frontiers of Australia. David discussed SER's evolution and the adjustments the company has made since he joined the team. SER recently signed an agreement with mining giant Fortescue Metals to develop the Kenobi project, which David discussed in detail. David also elaborated on how SER develops the range of projects it has in its portfolio. I hope you enjoy listening. So hello, I'm Ben Kostrich and this is the Markable Podcast. Joining me today on the show, I caught up with him quite a few months ago, but I finally get to sit down with him is David Detata, the Managing Director of Strategic Energy Resources under code SER. It's been a lot of activity over the past six months or even since I first uh, met him, but welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So we were saying before we started your first time on a podcast, so hopefully it's an enjoyable experience for you, but diving into yourself, you've been at SER for, well, since 2017 and you've been there for quite a few years now and you're the managing director and there's been a lot of changes and progressions with the company, um, well, since you've been there, but before we go into that, what's your backstory and history and how did you get immersed in the, the mining and exploration scene of, of Australia? I have nothing, my background is actually nothing to do with exploration. My background is actually in chemistry and my first career was actually as a forensic scientist. So um, with a love of chemistry and law, I studied at university and found my first job as a forensic scientist. And it wasn't long before I turned a, a, an interest into a research interest and began to uh, delve deep into areas of analytical chemistry, which led me to writing up you know, significant bodies of research uh, in an office in West Perth. And as everyone knows, West, West Perth is the home of any number of exploration companies and mining companies. Um, so I began to talk back and forth with different groups in um, different companies. They saw the skill set that I had. Um, Everyone's looking for alternative angles, alternative um, ways to leverage the market. And at that time, Everyone was looking at uh, other things, you know, the cannabis was quite big at that time. There was biotech, uh, a whole range of um, battery technologies we're looking at. And my background in science and particular analytical chemistry and the research angle was enough to tempt an ASX company at the time to take me on board, do some initial consulting role for them. And that burdened into a, a role with an exploration company around 2017. Okay. So, and I mean, this being almost a unexpected arrival into this seat. I mean, naturally upskilling and learning a lot about this. Did you see that there were any similarities with what you'd previously done and then venturing into this space as well? Or Certainly, I, I see exploration in particular from a project level as a research project. You, know, you develop a theory on where a ground might be prospective and then you undertake a scientific methodical approach and understanding what actually might be possible and then testing those theories and refining them as you move through the exploration cycle. So. There's a lot of overlap from research in other areas, and I found that in analytical chemistry, and translating that across to in exploration field. So it's actually, in my view, we have a list of projects, but we also have a list of research opportunities in front of us, in front of SER, and we're working through each of those methodically, mm. um, and continually refining our method as we move in that scientific approach. Interesting, because the, the business model, you could say, is slightly different to what 
uh, other players in this field are doing. So uh, if you're trying to describe SER to, to everyday investors or just anyone looking to understand what the company is about and its ethos, how do you describe SER to people? Uh, tagline, SER is Specialist Undercover Explorer and Project Generator. And this gets back to the strategy of the company. So around 2019 when I joined SER, I sat down with the then um, managing director, Stuart Rector, and we decided to play a different game from what a typical junior exploration company would play. We, we decided to start looking where juniors fear to tread, and that's undercover exploration. Mm. So and using a, uh, a way of therefore identifying areas that are prospective for large-scale deposits or large-scale mineralization, undercover at depth, but then benchmarking that or at least tying that back to a known mineral deposit. So our, our flagship project, the Kenobi project, uh, a couple hundred kilometers north of Ernest Henry, is, is the best example of exactly that approach that we're using. We've taken the faults and the controlling structures that host Ernest Henry and we've projected those as they head undercover further away in that exploration space where actually no one's playing. Mm. It is expensive and it is unaccustomed to a junior. We can then take a large land holding and then using that scientific approach, refine our understanding, knowing that there is a controlling structure that hosts mineralization to the south, and start to understand what's happening at depth. And that way we can open up more exploration space for ourselves. We can take larger land holdings, but we also recognize that there's a risk inherently with large projects, especially undercover, and they're expensive. Mm. But we know that there's a potential there to host mineralization. And what comes with that is being able to allure a major in, and that's where we've had some success past couple of months in securing a joint venture with Fortescue. So we've been able to actually bring in a major under the same guys that we're there, the discovery of a tier one exploration project and use their funding to help us test those targets and mm. develop that theory. Because that's the interesting point that I see a lot of what SER is about, discovering those almost untapped areas that have been I guess neglected because either advances in technology weren't there or, or there was just some reason behind not exploring it and now as I'm realizing across the globe, the, the levels, uh, the top and the best stuff has naturally been taken or mined and now it's a little bit more difficult and you have to look a little bit deeper. So going into the, the uncover or the undercover sort of terminology, I mean, what, if you're phrasing that for someone that hasn't been out and even seen these these areas, what does that really mean? There's just a lot of obstacles in the way or is it just deeper uh, than anticipated or what, describing that to, to people? I think the best way to look at it is there's no outcrop. So there's nothing at the surface that would suggest that there's something deep undercover. And when your typical, a typical target is four or 500 metres, so it's deep. And that's where we're relying on alternative methods of uh, understanding what's happening at depth, building that picture of what's happening at depth. And that's where geophysics for us is a key mm. to, way, to understanding what's happening at depth. But it, it, reflecting back on why we've targeted these regions, it, those deposits at surface are rare and few, and there will be less of them because they're easy to explore. You know, kicking over a deposit doesn't happen anymore, and it won't. Mm. So we have to go deeper, and that's more costly, more expensive. And we've taken the approach back in 2019 that for us, there's less competition there, but there's more of a chance that the next party that comes along and sees potential in our project is going to be a company that can then take that to the step of mm. actually moving into development. So if we look at the, the processing techniques and the way of, for us to understand what's in depth, the geophysics behind it, if you take the understanding that if you're sensing something at surface that is 500 metres of depth and you're getting, getting as best picture, as clear a picture of what might be there based on a range of techniques, when you then finally do drill the target, the size of the target is significant. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're using 
geophysics is our targeting rationale to try and guide the drill bit, but we, because of the depths and the limitations associated, we're not going to try for something small. We're mm. trying for something big. Yeah. And, and that's where we're able to attract, obviously, a major to come in, particularly in Kenobi, because they see the allure of seeing something big at depth. Because if it's big and it's big enough to put five, six hundred thousand dollars behind it to put a drill ring through the middle of it, then the next logical step, well, if it's mineralized, then it has to be significant. Yeah. You know, the percentages again, how much is there in grade coming through as well, obviously. But you're not hitting small targets, you're only hitting large targets at depth. And that's that combination of, as you pointed to, quite expensive to do it, uh, but naturally having these areas, but enticing a bigger player that's got naturally the bigger checkbook and ability of, of already having a proven resource. But as we know, they have to continuously find other areas to, to add to their portfolio. And that, again, as you said, encourages them to, to go with, with a group like SER to then uncover and potentially sort of do that joint venture to understand if there is something there they can then execute it and, and build it along the way. So uh, the, the joint venture with, with the Fortescue has been a, a milestone because they arguably last financial year in Australia. So just recently gone. I mean, that would have taken a fair amount of work and almost negotiations to get there. So if you're highlighting that whole process of how you got to, to go to the market and say, hey, we've got this joint venture with Fortescue, which everyone knows that brand. It's a great announcement. But then to understand all the dealings behind and how it's even led up to that position. I mean, what was involved from the team and, and yourself's point of view to get that and even getting them on board to decide that, hey, we want to we partner with you guys to, to explore this? Well, the original tenement holding uh, the SEO held was a high-grade gold, small tenement package out in Kenobi. And that was 2016 when we picked that up. We then followed that up with some infill drilling for gold and found some greater high-gold intercepts, again, at depth. But... In 2016, 2017, the market didn't really mm. understand the depth that we're playing with. And if it was on the Gawler Craton, it wouldn't be a problem because those sort of depths, even five, 600 metres, are routine. But out in northwest Queensland, where everyone looks to surface expression and surface outcrop, it's really a, a challenge for other companies to get their head around. So um, in 2021, we were very fortunate to get uh, some government funding to assist. And what's been great is when you start looking at projects that are bit crazy, a little bit further out, a bit deeper. In order to pick up the projects, you're relying on government data. Mm. And so when you put a proposal together to the government to say, we're going to go out and test one of these targets, you're likely to secure funding. So in 2021, we went out there, drilled, we found some um, a high, high 132 metre intersection of 0.1 nickel. So the tenor's not there, but there's definitely nickel in mm. a region where people wouldn't really associate nickel out in northwest Queensland. And that's about the time we started uh, coming to the attention of majors in the region and uh, conversely 150 k's north um, west of the project is our uh, another project we have eyes north and that was surrounded started become surrounded by fortescue and rio mm. and rio tinto sorry and anglo-american out that way so we all know that the majors are heading out that way in queensland in particular that's where we started talking back and forth um, with fortescue about the project and it really taken obviously a year for them to get comfortable with the project, get mm. comfortable with us as a, as a small company dealing with us, um, negotiating a contract, uh, an agreement, and then understanding that if you want to move these things quickly, you really need us to operate because we have the agreements. We have the ability to get on ground and, and make things happen quite quickly. So from a market's perspective, you know, since the start of the year, we've looked very quiet, but beneath the surface, these sort of discussions and negotiations have been back and forth to get to that point finally in the middle of the year when we could announce something 
knowing that the moment we did the announcement, we had everything lined up and we could then get on, yeah. get on the ground drilling. So if you look back at how long it takes to get a Greenfields project from, in our case, pegging it in our own right to actually be able to drill on, you, you waited for six months application, you waited for another 12 months of landholder engagement. You know, there's two or three years before you can actually get on ground and do something. Fortescue bypassed all that. It was mm. right at the point where we had co-funding to drill a hole this year, regardless of whether we had a joint venture partner in the room that walked in at the right time and right time for both parties. So that that's kind of the drilling program that we're going to look forward to in the next six months. Yeah, well, that's the the timing is everything, but it's it's almost people get lost in the idea that yeah, you read an announcement or you hear a great drilling result and oh, it's just happened overnight or it's you know oh, just this week they've got these results, but it's been this continuous and probably time-consuming and arduous process of getting to that stage to even present it to the market. And then, you know, given that there's a lot of activity out there, it's then cutting through it. And I mean, that's where, you know, when I was first introduced to you, it was a different way of operating within a space where you just assume that it's, you've got your land, you explore it, but this is slightly different given the vast project. So, I mean, if you're looking at all your projects that you've got lined up or all your potential areas, I mean, naturally there is a lot of different, priorities and ways to go about developing them all and the joint ventures are i would assume are the the hierarchy or the priorities but if you're going through the list of what you guys have access to and what you're developing uh, can you run us through what that entails in in terms of projects Mm. our greenfield projects a flagship project of kenobi case north of Cloncari, there we're chasing ernest henry style magnetite iocg deposits Um, so that that'll be the focus of the drilling that's coming towards in the next couple of months. Uh, Fortescue have worked hard in developing targets and landing them in front of us and saying this is where the drill rig needs to go, as well as following up the magmatic nickel target um, that was based on the government funding we had a couple of years ago. So that's our flagship project, but we also have our Eyes of North project, which I've already mentioned, um, about 150 k's northwest of our Kenobi project. And again, using that same rationale of find a deposit in this case, the gunpowder fault or 29 metals have got a number of copper deposits there. Following that fault north undercover, things get deeper. That's where we picked up Wiser North. Um, we're going to head there straight after our drilling at Kenobi. So we have two Greenfields projects, one fully funded uh, for the next six years, assuming uh, Fortescue stay in the game. And the other project where we're looking to move it from um, the geophysics stage into doing our own independent drilling on that. It's 100% SER surrounded by majors so who knows what happens uh, mm. with that area um, and then we have another couple of projects which we're just starting so that pipeline continues but as i said it takes two to three years before we can get through that that stage so mm. another couple of projects that we're working on and one we've just recently secured that will um, announce the market when it moves to the next stage uh, but they're the main two fo- that's the fo- main focus for this year and we think that you know, the three um, iocg targets plus the nickel target at kenobi We'll see us get through to the end of the field season with the eyes north as well on that and then next year we reassess the results reload geophysics starts again and yeah. Uh, drill again yeah we, yeah we are, it's this year we had proposed on just doing the one drill hole at Kenobi possibly with another follow-up but with her major coming in and funding the program we really want to get as much drilling as possible to understand what's happening mm. and push that along. Mm. And, and, and you mentioned it before about even getting to this point uh, and again accessing capital and, and raising and uh, the point about pitching it to government and going through almost historical drilling um, and, and you highlighted that before but I mean even accumulating all that information and presenting it and clearly it's a, a process that you're going to continuously repeat across all your projects and all of them at different lengths but I mean if you're going back to, to the Kenobi project and just building that I mean how are you sourcing and what sort of information really 
got you to, to where it is now, where it's in the joint venture stage with Fortescue? The original drill hole was enough for us to uh, have confidence that it was worth following up. Again, we didn't get the market traction from it because the gold intercepts at depth uh, were great, but not outstanding. Yeah. It was a small project. So from there we went back to government data sets, geophysics again, and just, and that, that's where our technical excellence and science driven sort of exploration focus comes in. Um, it's not, it wasn't uncommon for us to have three diff, different geophysicists on a call with our exploration team working through these projects, working through targets, developing an understanding and a picture of what's happening in depth as best as we could. And out this way, you know, at the Canova way, there are a dozen targets that are worth putting drill holes into. But you have to understand the modelling and the, the vagaries and subtleties associated with different forms of geophysics and then be able to present that in a way that uh, a new company might want to come in and have a look at what you've actually been doing in the last couple of years across that project. So for us, we lean on a number of consultants, geophysicists in particular, that allow us to paint that picture of what's happening in depth and collaborating with industry experts, for instance, um, once we drilled the nickel intercept in 2021, we led on Steve Beresford, who, um, a known nickel, magmatic nickel expert, and brought him in as a consultant to help us understand and really pitch to us what the potential of our project could be, and then bring him into the tent and get him to help us to then communicate that story to those people that are interested in the project as well. Mm. So for us, bringing in as many different science specialists in different areas collaborating with them, working with them in the full confidence that if they don't understand the project, then we can yeah. understand it, but we need to then communicate that to a JV partner. And I mean, this will be a, an interesting point. I haven't done it on the, on the show before, but talking about geophysics and this side of, I guess, surveying and analyzing it, uh, describing that to people. And I mean, if we're, again, podcasting, people can't necessarily see it, but how do you describe that process uh, in a way that people understand? Because there's so many different drilling techniques and, and ways of analyzing soil, but this is slightly different to, well, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of other companies still do it, but this is clearly one of the unique points of, of how SER is differentiating itself in its technique. So what, what is it? And then are there any others that you're using as well? So broadly, the, because we're exploring in depth, there's no outcrop, there's no rocks to point out of the ground that you can kick, there's no soil sampling you can do because you are looking at 500 meters plus of cover. So geophysics is just a, a, is a, a discipline of science where you're measuring the properties of the earth. So a body, for instance, that we're chasing in Kenobi, uh, uh, IOCG, it's going to be magnetic, uh, sorry, magnetic. So that's one property that mm. we look at. So we use um, magnetics as a sort of form of uh, geophysics that's done at surface because we want to look for something that's magnetic but at depth but big. And then it'll be dense, so we'll have gravity. And so we use gravity as a form of geophysics. Then we can model those two together and we can use other electric, uh, the conductivity of a property, for instance, if it's a, um, a conductive property of a metal at deep, deep underground, then we can use that and model that in. And it's just a way of taking different data sets from the properties that we would expect of a dense body that has magnetite in it, similar to what's happening at Ernest Henry, and modeling that up in 2D and 3D spaces, mm. getting a picture of what might be present uh, below the surface. Uh, answers. And in the end, we found the benefit in bringing all those consultants have used in the same space and getting them to thrash out the ideas knowing that we're the ones going to have to be paid for the drill hole mm. to determine where to put it first of all and then to try and best efforts at intersecting something. So for us we lean on geophysics as our, that's our starting point. Yeah. With this regional data in generating mode where we start to pick up projects or then in refining mode and then obviously the drilling we then take 
and we'll see how that correlates back to the geophysics feed that back into the model and, and keep going. I'm, I'm sure it's it's used more widely than you would have made it out to be. For us, that's our goal. That's where we have mm. to start because we are looking for areas yeah. um, that are, there is no surface drill. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I can't imagine it's a, necessarily an uncommon uh, term, but I've never really gone into the the depths of of how and what it actually is because, yeah, it's very easy to read these terms and then necessarily just not even bother to understand what it all encapsulates and what it all means. And uh, I mean, that's the other point there of you know you've got this amazing area or with no outcroppings, and then you've got to decide where to target um and and given that the the two projects are further along than the others i mean that will be the next process for the other ones is figuring it out and sort of zoning in on a particular area but uh i mean that clearly is something that you know it takes a lot of time and and information and just pulling it all together to then decide what's a drilling target and then when you've got all that i mean walking through the process of getting like a drill rig there for example or even getting the processes and everything organized i mean what's like that given the you know the infrastructure or accessibility. I mean, what runs through your head trying to help organise that all these stages of, of getting to, to drilling? Uh, the remoteness. We for a while uh, one of our first projects that we took up in this greenfields approach was in um, the area between Tennant Creek and Mount Isa, off the Barker Highway, and the remoteness is mm. is, is a is a large impost for a lot of companies. Yeah. Uh, even just getting access to site and then. It might be off a main highway, but it might be three kilo, three kilometres through a track that's never been, mm. that hasn't been frequently used, or you need to push a track in. So, the, the challenge with Greenfields exploration is getting those services out to where they, they need to be. And then it's not just for um, energy physics program that might need to go across the ground, but it's then clearance tracks that you need to put a drill rig in, and then that's native title surveys and mm. um, get, ensuring that the landholder is aware of what you're doing and operating on a station and quite literally in the back of nowhere. Mm. Uh, those logistical issues become quite significant. Yeah. And then any service that you want to bring to the actual site comes with its own demob and remob costs associated with that. So one of the reasons why the Aries Tenant Project, which we managed to um, sell just recently to Middle Island, one of the reasons for us moving away from that project in, focusing on Queensland is the remoteness and the cost. We found that the area is highly prospective, but when you're one of a number of players in that region trying to, one, attract capital, but then two, have a base to work from and then progress all your tenements at, at a pace that keeps up with minimum expenditure, it just became too expensive for us. So we have to we had to rationalise, and that was one of the things we did to rationalise that. But in talking about Kenobi um, and Isa North projects, they are close to Kunglari and Mount Isa, which makes it a lot easier mm. to have a, a single base there when we start drilling the ship. But even still, you know, it's a couple of days to get there or a couple of days to complete the tracks in earthworks and then you have to get the rigs out there and then you want to decide, well, when the core comes out of the ground, what are you going to do with it? Mm. Where are you going to do it? So yeah, for remoteness is, is something to contend with. Yeah, well, and that's the whole concept of greenfield exploration, isn't it? Is that it's areas that necessarily haven't been uncovered or that they're a little bit more challenging and that you know it's 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 green like there's it's endless opportunities in a way but also there's countless other obstacles to, to get to well, get there that's right and if it was easy you'd have lots of competition but we think the price is worth chasing and that's why we think these search spaces are i think that's where the next discovery has to be you yeah. have to be where no one's looked or where conventional wisdom has decided that it's not prospective but 
just just real uh, looking back at the geophysics, you know, there, there is a blob there. There is a an anomaly. There is something undercover that's different, and maybe that's where the next discovery is. So why why would you write it off on the basis that uh, twenty years ago someone's looked at it and said no? We don't think there's anything out that way. Exactly, and that ties into yeah these big players now that all the the easier accessible probably not back then, but the, a lot of the, the that area and those regions that were more common have been explored and you're fine that these mine lives are progressively coming towards the end, which means that, you know, if they've got 10 years to go, uh, if their life expectancy or 15, it means you've really got to already start finding the next one and getting that up to speed to take over. And given the, the looming pressures on a whole host of different commodities, uh, there's really this emphasis, yeah, to find the next big area. And it's not going to be, as you said, traditional... Uh, exploration side of it which i can see you know, uh, fortescue jumping on board it, that's an appeal for them given that you guys are doing a lot of the hard work to get there and they can come in with the checkbook and help elevate that project to the next level which i can imagine is they're quite quite rewarding having that come through and a lot of work and then of course there, there's more to go but one of the points we didn't highlight or you've mentioned it briefly but with these projects i mean what are the ideal or what what are you hoping to find or what have the previous results shown is it nickel or what commodities are, are highlighted there because that ties into as we know what the outlook is for that certain commodity going forward yeah with the kenobi project for a while, it was a high-grade gold, as I, st- as I mentioned when mm. we first started. Um, and then the intercept of nickel in 21 really changed our focus. And we thought, this is, this is magnetic nickel. This is um, this is real. There's nickel there, and we should pursue it. And we got a follow-up grant to go and do it. But Fortescue are chasing copper. They're chasing centering IOCG-style um, deposits. And that's exactly why they've um, JV'd into the project and why they're Sit some sit um, some compelling targets in front of us to go and drill. So it is a copper target, mm. uh, and that area that we've got is perspective. There's, as I said, we've generated our own number of targets, twenty targets that plus twenty plus targets that we would have liked to have drilled. But the budget for us doesn't extend that far. Yeah, would have extended to a, a nice follow-up drill hole this year, and I think we would have um, then sat back and tried to again attempt someone else to come along and, and do it, but. Cop is the focus there. Eyes of North, again, that project, ISCG country, that's what everyone's after. Yeah. At depth, again, but there is copper deposits to the south of that, again, as I've said. So that's the hope for us is that we mm. some, some copper follow ups and possibly some nickel. But the targeting strategy, the rationale behind what we've done uh, from geophysics perspective to targeting nickel is different to what Fortescue doing for ISCG. But the fact that there's two sets of targets they've committed to drilling the nickel target first and then following with the ICG means that there is the potential for both. Yeah, yeah. We've come to that conclusion independently and, and they have too and we've sat down together as a joint exploration committee and worked through that and we think there's reasons to drill for both targets. And again, that's a testament to the discussions and all the work that goes into getting to signing that, that paper and I can imagine there's been a lot of people involved or currently still involved in, in the team and I always like to swing the conversation back to understand who's actually a part of it and and what they've done so with yourself on, on the board and, and the other people involved in key leadership positions or even down to the geophysics and uh, the geophysicists and, and people that are out on, on the ground I mean who's a part of the, the SER team? So the executive chairman is Stuart Reckner and he's an exploration geologist he actually was involved in the first company that I started with um, quite some number of years ago um, on the board of that one and history in developing projects taking them from greenfields projects or um, picking ground and 
and then working them through. And currently sits on as a non-executive director of Kingston Resources, which is actually a um, developer. So mm. they're pouring gold bars there. So experience ranges all the way from peaking ground right through to being involved at a, you know, in production. Um, so as I've mentioned before, Stuart and I sat down and we wanted to do something different with this company. We wanted to stand out and, and have a strategy that sets ourselves apart from a company that might be looking to commodities depending on what, what the cycle is or um, near-term projects. And one thing we were jesting on is, uh, well, firm on is that we can generate our own quality projects. So we don't take we don't take the opportunity to buy other project. We tend to generate them on our own. And I think the success of FMG coming along is, is our final proof point that mm-hmm. we can take something from nothing and get to that point. Um, and sitting on board uh, is uh, Ant McIntosh and Ant's uh, involved in a number of exploration and technology-related companies. Um, he was on the board of Echo Resources when I bought it by Northern Star in 2019. Um, so he's got experiences in that corporate broking side of things and it's been between Stuart and, um, Ant and myself, we've all sat through the conversations around board tables about, well, what happens when we get there? What happens if we get to that mm. point where we talk to a major and then what happens? And then working through those, that decision tree of these are the steps we need to take and getting input at that point. And, and I think we've got to a great conclusion with Kenobi um, and we've, both, we've all at board level got the skills to be able to make sure that we can then replicate that and, and build it to the next one. One thing we, I suppose we haven't mentioned is um, we sat on our hands, as I've said, while we waited for this transaction to happen since pretty much the start of the year. One thing the, comp- the board was quite strong on was ensuring that our current shareholders were rewarded in some way and we're able to introduce new shareholders. For us to repeat the process of getting the next JV or, or hopefully do some next round of drilling, we really need enough funds. It's great yeah. to have a JV partner, but you still need cash in the bank. Mm, uh, mm. Greenfield's expo- exploration is expensive, but it's also drawn out. It's not quick. So we decided to um, package the announcement up with the capital raise, and we got Bill Potter involved in that, and they were fantastic in introducing us to new shareholders. And also in... Um, publicizing the, the strategy of the company you know being able, able to say these guys have, have taken this project from greenfields they're now going to major involve the next strategy is getting the next one involved and, and part of the reward i suppose for existing shareholders is they got to come in before we announced the market before when possibly this share price went up and then mm. and then we tried for a capital raise because we needed we needed to replenish funds to be able mm. to reload for the next one so that was the strategy in doing that and why we, why we timed it. And we hope that those shareholders that have come in and our existing shareholders will see some of the rewards from the drilling program, which is imminent next month, well, August this month and through mm. the end of the year. Well, it's a key there about the idea of rewarding shareholders. And given that uh, a lot of what's transpired over the last few years has been difficult, not only for, for companies, but for people and just you know access to capital has been a, a little bit harder. But as we're seeing now, there's this looming ability that it's, it's not easy but there's a, a few more people that are willing to to get back into these whole range of, of exploration companies or even across all sectors of of markets but one of the exciting points yeah is this looming joint venture these big companies that know they need to replenish um we're seeing it in in lithium we're seeing it in, in copper we're seeing it everywhere which really highlights that a lot of these companies have these these deadlines and these commodity uh I guess, targets to reach and they don't think that they're going to get there given the results they've got, which means that, yeah, greenfield exploration and these smaller players that are doing the the harder yards but can't necessarily develop it into a huge mine, they need the assistance and the help. And that's where, as you said, you've proven the incubator model of finding something, building it up and then getting a, a big fish really in Fortescue to come and help elevate it to the next level, which is 
really exciting and I can imagine it's it's continuously stressful and there's always things happening and, and developing but for, for listeners that want to know what's happening or, or what are your plans for the next really 12 months um, and what can what investors and, and just people following the markets expect coming out of SER? Uh, plenty of drill results succinctly mm. uh, as I said there's four targets that need drilling and we have one hand in our back pushing us through those and then we hit our own targets post that so by the time that's all finished and wrapped up we quickly find ourselves into the new year and that's when the generation targets for next year's drilling. As I said, the Boardscrew announcements um, set us up for six years of drilling. Um, they define these targets and year one targets, year two, and we plough through those. And mm. In the background, we work at our Eyes of North project, progress that, and hopefully um, talk to enough majors in and around us that might be interested in being involved in that. But, I mean, in the back of our mind, this, this is a, an ongoing generative process and we find our next one, and as I said, we alluded to already, we've started looking for our next generation of projects and stuff. But if you're looking how far down the path we'd like to go, it'd be great to have a, a war chest to be able to mm. take it to not just the first step, but the second, third yeah. step, you know, yeah. where we can get to the point where the company's big enough because we've proven and our exploration in other projects is paid for that we can then add more value to it so that when we have these discussions, we're not a, a $5 million market cap company yeah. having a discussion with a yeah. $50 billion company. We, we have more on our side um, and we can stay in the game a lot longer mm. uh, and prove up the resource or prove up the the drilling results a bit further. So that's that's the ultimate aim of the company. Um, and I think that having FMG on board in this one de-risks us. I mean, it, the, the process of onboarding for us wasn't easy and it wasn't quick. There's certainly um, risks associated with dealing with a, a junior. Um, so we think we've ticked all that box and that uh, there's no secrets. Mm. We're now de-risked to that point. So it might be easier for the next one, but we, ultimately, you know, we'd like to develop our own project to the, that next point. So we look at um, a lot easier to negotiate rather than uh, negotiating for a point where we were there. Uh, yeah, we're uh, very, a lot smaller. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I'm hope, I hope other people have told you, but it's almost like the David versus the Goliath when you say SER and Fortescue sort of combining and it's not the battle, it's this synergy, which you'd almost say is uncharacteristic given given the size but it's again a testament to, to what's been working so for listeners that want to learn more about ser where can they go and, and what can they find out and yeah how can they potentially contact you as well and ask questions if they're interested well the easiest way is to head to the website and then um, you'll find my contact details on there as well as um all the announcements are clearly visible and being able to be contacted uh we'll have a number of announcements coming out as we head towards the point of drilling and then when we start drilling we're trying to feed the market with as much information as possible. Mm. Um, we are in a position though where we're dealing with a, um, and a JV partner. There is a level of respect that we have to pay um, in dealing with those and yep. what we can and can't say uh, as part of the project itself. But uh, those avenues are there to contact me directly and we can mm. have a discussion about the company and we'll be going forward. No, awesome. No, thank you, David. It's, uh, as I said, when we first met, there's been a lot happening and I'm glad I got to sit down with you and, and pick your brain about SER because yeah, there's a lot of activity happening and guaranteeing a lot more to continue. So yeah, thank you for, for speaking on the show today and I look forward to seeing how SER progresses and updates and what hits the market in the coming yeah, six to 12 months and onwards. So thank you again. Great, thanks for the opportunity. Let's hope we can do it again. Thanks for listening to the Market Bull Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can follow The Market Bull on our socials at Twitter and LinkedIn by searching The Market Bull. You can also subscribe to our newsletter on the website by visiting www.themarketbull.com.au.